listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. you've got your Bibles, let's turn there. Luke chapter number 8. We're going to finish up this chapter today, and then we'll move on into next week. We faced a lot of physical stuff, a lot of illness, a lot of things going on in our world in the last two years. Wouldn't that be fair to say? We've had a lot of, a lot of really highlighted illness, getting a lot of attention. I, I, would, I would probably argue that there has been a lot of illness and sickness going on even before 2019, the latter part, and then the last couple of years. I can think of uh, things that have come up in our world. Uh, we, we think about, I remember when I was a teenager, that, that I, I remember when the AIDS epidemic uh, became really, you know, in the news front. I, I remember thinking, wow, that is just that's, that's horrible. I mean, we, we had no answers, and, and, and that thing was worldwide. And I just remember thinking, man, this is, this is huge. Cancer has, has always been a, a major player in our physical makeup. And, and, and though they're, they're, they're struggling, they're trying, they're hustling to find cures for, for certain cancers, they're still in the research phase. It's, it's still a part of research and development. Maybe one of these days they'll come up with uh, some sort of treatment that actually counteracts those many multiple forms of cancer. I think about those that we have lost most recently to the, to the diseases of the mind, Alzheimer's, dementia, and, 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 and they're, they're, really, they're working really hard to try to address those from as scientific and, 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 and physician uh, viewpoints as possible. They're, they're working hard trying to find cures and, and, and things that would reverse those. I think in the past couple of years that, uh, that there have been many, even within our family, that, that, that is uh, a part of, of Oasis Church, maybe not you directly, but, but certainly some that you have known would have loved to have been able in a moment, in, in, a, in a point in time, been able to just be excited about somebody coming into the door of the hospital or the home that could just simply reach over and touch the person. And all that they had been suffering through, even for, if it was even for a small amount of time, just be gone. How, how wonderful would that be? They, they, they could be busy day and night going through the hospitals and just touching people and, and then being instantly healed and those diseases, those things that had plagued them, just be gone. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be such a blessing? We've been seeing in these particular pictures that Luke is painting for us. The picture of Messiah, Jesus, and his power and authority over the different realms of human life. We've seen first Jesus' power and authority over the natural realm. On the ship, asleep, storm comes up on the Sea of Galilee. And as the, the disciples think they're going down... They wake Jesus up and they, they, they really, they chastise him. Don't, don't you care that we're drowning? You're up here asleep. Jesus, you know, clears his head a little bit and says, hey, be quiet. And immediately the wind, the waves, 
and the rain and the lightning ceased. And there was a calm. Not a slowing down, not letting the waves, you know, bring their, 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 uh, their, their attitudes to a, 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 a gradual halt. No, instant calm. Disciples saying, who is this that we're dealing with that can cause the winds and the waves to just obey with his voice? Well, they're dealing with the one who spoke those winds and waves into existence. They're dealing with the God-man, God the Son. And then as they get to the other side of that, of, that, uh, of that lake, they're met by, last week we saw a man possessed with many demons. Probably two men, Luke identifies and, and spends most of his time on the one who was doing the speaking and was completely out of control and unmanageable and, and dominated by the forces of evil. And Jesus, in a word, releases him from his bondage. In an instant, he is released The scripture says that he finds clothing to put on from where he was naked and he's sitting submissive at the feet of Jesus. All the while, 2,000 or so pigs are running to their death as the demons have been removed from him and cast into them. We see the the power and authority of the God-man over the demonic realm. Demons and Satan love to keep people in bondage, love to seek to, to kill, steal, and destroy. They, they, they hate us. Why? Because God loves us. They seek to do us harm, and we see that Jesus has that authority over the demonic. They must bend to his will. Today we're going to see the last of those things in the human realm that, that Luke is intending for us to see in this particular part of his, of his uh, history lesson to his friend Theophilus. We're going to see Jesus has authority over disease. And ultimately we're going to see that Jesus, when disease ends in death, well, he's got power and authority over that as well. So today we want to look at the great Physician, Luke chapter number 8, beginning in verse number 40. Let's look first at this urgent request that comes to Jesus. Verse number 40 of Luke chapter 8. Now, when Jesus returned, he's he's returning from the the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, that, that Gentile area. He's come back over to the west, okay? When he had returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Of course they were. His, his ministry is, is building. People are hearing. Folks are watching. Folks are waiting to see what's he going to do next. What's he going to say next? So from the other side, he comes back. The crowd welcomed him because they were all waiting for him. There came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. An urgent request. 
Again, Jesus went to the other side of the lake, and before he could really get off the boat good, he's met by a, a, a man possessed with demons. Now he's barely getting off the boat. The crowd is cheering. If you can imagine your, your favorite team flying into to the home airport after they've won the championship, and everybody's cheering. I just imagine that they're cheering. Jesus is here. He barely gets off the boat again, and a man rushes to him. And I think, interestingly enough, they allowed this man to get to him. And we're going to learn why he gets through the crowd. He gets to Jesus with an urgent request. Luke tells us this man's name was Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. Synagogues were, were ruled or, or led by laymen. Now, some of them were likely Pharisees from that particular group of, of uh, scholars. But most areas where there was a synagogue would have a local guy who was in charge of setting up the services, and he was also in charge of cleaning and maintaining the building. So this man Jairus would have been a well-known community figure. These people knew who he was. He would have been very similar to what we recognize as a pastor of a local assembly. He didn't do all the teaching, but he made sure everything was set up. And at times he taught, and at other times guest speakers would speak. But he was responsible for setting everything up. We see that he falls at the feet of Jesus. That demonstrates his desperation. He's got an only daughter who's at home, 12 years old, and she is dying. Those of, uh, of you who have children know that when they get sick, you don't respond to their sickness like you do to your sickness. When you get sick, you say, you know what, I'm just going to see how it is tomorrow. You know, you'll go to bed with, you know, you can't feel the right side of your body. And you'll say, well, I'm going to sleep on it and see how I feel in the morning. You know, you'll go to bed half blind because you don't know. You know I'm just going to see how I feel tomorrow. We'll call the doctor, maybe send him an email. Your kid gets sick. They begin to cry because of the pain that they're feeling feeling and you will move heaven and earth you will wonder why it is your doctor did not give you his cell phone number for crying out loud and you're calling everybody you can to find out how do I help and if all else fails we're in the car to the ER no matter who has to get up and watch the kids you know you'll do whatever it takes that's where this man is I mean he is desperate this is urgent for him because his daughter, not only is it his daughter he loves, it's his only daughter. It's his only child, and he's desperate. I'm sure the mother is desperate for something, and they know that this man Jesus has been healing folks with just his word, with just a touch, maybe word had got to this synagogue leader about the centurion who had met Jesus and told him that his servant was sick. And, and as Jesus was going with him, the centurion sent word and said, tell Jesus, don't even come to my house. All he has to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus is like, that's the kind of faith I'm talking about. And at that very moment, they said, when they lined up what time it would have been then and here, that was exactly the moment that the servant was restored to health. Maybe this synagogue ruler had heard about this. 
He's made his way. And I think the people had probably said, no, no, no. We need to let Pastor Jairus up here. He's got a daughter who's sick at home. And we need to let him see Jesus. And Jairus comes and falls at Jesus' feet in desperation. But I think in total submission. Whatever you need to do, Jesus of Nazareth, I believe you can heal my daughter. Jesus is going to go with him. She's... 12 years old. For us, that's child. In fact, Jesus is going to treat her as a child. To them, however, this 12-year-old was at the beginning of adulthood. At 12 years old, this girl was just right ready to marry. And all of you 12-year-old girls in the room are going, ew, that's right, that's right. That was a cultural weirdity. We got that figured out. You're welcome. But she was about to be ready to be married. This was, a, this was about to be the celebration time for this family. And they're struggling. And Jesus decided he would go. I'll go with you. As Jesus went, verse 42, the people pressed around him. Jesus, I'm thinking... We'll fill in the blanks. He didn't say this. The scripture doesn't say, but I'm, I'm imagining he's going, well, lead, lead the way. Jairus, you, you show me where to go. Where's she at? Let's go see her. And as they're going, the people are following. I can just imagine they're going, okay, if he's going to go do some more stuff, we're going to be there to see it. We don't want to miss a thing. Fear of missing out goes all the way back to, the, to those first centuries, okay? And so he's walking on the way, and the people are doing what people do. They're trying to see, and they're trying to get as close as they can in order to see. And they don't care about who's short behind them. They don't care who can't keep up. They just want to be able to see what they can see because they're selfish just like we are. And so they're pressing up, and Jesus is walking, and this crowd, you know, he's walking through the middle of them. They're just kind of turning and going with him and they're pressing on all sides of him I mean some of you are thinking right now those of you who are a little bit claustrophobic I mean, it's kind of making you a little nervous right now just thinking about all those folks. I remember a time that we went off to uh, watch the lightning play. And, uh, and we were there, and I don't, I don't remember why we stayed, because typically I'm the kind of guy who leaves with about three, four minutes left in whatever competition because I want to get on the escalator before everybody else does. That's just the way I roll. But for whatever reason, we wanted to stay. Lightning probably were down, we're coming back, and we wanted to see if they could do it. If, if my memory serves me correctly, they did win that game, but when the buzzer went off, Now everybody's standing up and everyone's walking out. We were moving good for a little while until the escalator stopped. There's about three of them going and they all quit. And so you know what happens, folks. Folks don't know to stop coming forward. You know, they just sort of do like you do on I-75 when they stop all of a sudden up front. It's just like, that's the way it happened with us. And so people are pushing. They finally got one escalator out of three working, which didn't help much. And so I can just remember, I'm holding on to, to the kids that were mine, that I thought were, I was holding on to kids were mine, I'm pretty sure I did, And because I didn't want them to get separated because I'd never find them because I was just jammed up in, I mean, it was so unsocially distanced. I mean, we were just very intimate in that moment, okay? That's the picture Luke is painting. People are pressing in, you know, Jesus just trying to follow. And, you know, you got the folks up, get out of the way, go into Jericho, and everybody's following. They're pressing in around him. Verse 43, 
we see on the heels of this urgent request, this emergency situation, we see what I'm going to call an untimely interruption. When we're talking about getting your kid to the ER, because they're, they're sick, you're trying to get there, and, and you got grandma in front of you. Or, or, or you got somebody on that just single lane highway that, you know, been, been saucing too much during the night. And they're all over the place. You're just trying to get around them. You're honking a horn. You're flashing the lights. We got to go. And then you get to a red light. Well, I know what y'all going to do. Y'all going to run that red light because I am too. But they didn't have this luxury. In this emergency situation, okay, I got Jesus. I got the one who can do what I need him to do. We're on our way. And then all of a sudden, verse 43. There was a woman what wasn't trying to do anything to distract anybody. Just this woman that was trying to stay in the shadows because she had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. 12 years. 12 years. Never stop. 12 years. She's probably not even supposed to be in that crowd. I'm going to tell you why. Because there was a time every month where a woman was ceremonially unclean and she couldn't touch anyone or they would become unclean. She's been unclean for 12 years. She's in a crowd. She's touching all kinds of folks. She didn't want to. Well, what she was trying to do, but that's where she is. This poor woman had suffered for the entire span of Jairus's daughter's life. Now think about that for a second. He's anxious about a sickness that has just recently come on, and we're trying to move this whole crowd. Can we just get there in a hurry? That woman has suffered the entire span of that little girl's life. Twelve years. Her condition had no doubt caused great Discomfort, embarrassment, inconvenience, perpetual ritual uncleanness. She could never go to worship. She couldn't be. She could never, when her family went to the temple to celebrate at Passover time, she was never allowed in because ritually she was unclean. Perpetually. She had suffered isolation and separation. Anybody really enjoy the whole idea of COVID at home? No. We went stir crazy. But she's been isolated and and at times probably separated. You can't come in here. We're about to celebrate. You can't be in. Whatever you touch is going to be unclean. You've got to stay out there. We'll open a window. Put your ear up to it. Imagine that. Just let that sink in. The life she lived of shame, separation, very likely rejection. Had she had a husband, once this situation manifested, it, it would have been a rarity for her not to have been sent away from her husband. Well, she's defiled. 
she, she can't be my wife. And so therefore, don't, don't, don't I have the right? He would, have, he would have found a school of thought that would have said, yep, you've got the right to divorce her because she can't be what she needs to be. For you. So yeah, absolutely. So she's probably been rejected. And once she's been rejected, you know she's being ridiculed. She's being talked about. Probably after 12 years, it's no longer a whisper. It's just out in the open. You know her. Stay away from her. Probably by this time, the kids have grown up around her and know how to holler, stay away. She's unclean. So think about this leper and the leper colonies. And she didn't have leprosy, but she was a leper as far as she felt. Financial ruin. The verse goes on to say, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Financial ruin. And and, and I'm just imagining in that time, what would the physicians have tried to make this better? And she's probably been through a lot of physical pain as well. This woman who was an untimely participant in this entourage going to save this beautiful little girl on the cusp of the rest of her life. Absolutely the child of our beloved synagogue pastor. We want Jesus to get there. He can heal her. He can do amazing things. And this woman that nobody cares about is in the crowd. Verse 44. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Now, Luke doesn't tell us the whole story, okay? Mark tells us that she had already come up with a plan in her mind. She had already probably heard that all Jesus did was speak and the, and the centurion servant was healed. She had probably heard that he had walked up on the funeral procession and put his hand on that casket and told that boy that was the only son of this mother to sit up and he had gotten up. She had probably heard about these things that Jesus is doing and he's causing withered hands to straighten out and things of that nature. She's probably thinking, because Mark tells us, If I can just get to him, I won't even have to say anything to him. If I can just get close enough to touch his garment, I just, I believe I'm going to be, the physicians don't have anything else for me. I have no more hope, but I just believe that what I'm hearing about him is true and that one that's healing, if I can just If I can just somehow get up, and maybe while he's not looking, while he's not paying attention, if I can just, because I don't want to bother him. I I certainly don't want to to mess up. In fact, I don't even want anybody to know I'm around because they're probably going to call me out. So she's probably hooded up. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can be cleansed. That's what Mark tells us she was doing. So she came up behind him, and she touched the fringe of his garment. Now listen. Jesus is being pressed. I mean, we're being bumped around. Okay, go. Very good. Okay. A toothbrush would be excellent. You know, we're, we're so close and intimate with one another. And, and, and all of a sudden, this woman makes her way. She's risking it. She don't need to be in that crowd. She knows she's defiling everybody who touches her, uh, unbeknownst to them, but it's worth the risk. And she gets up, she touches him, and immediately. I want you to let your mind run back to the storm 
Hey, be quiet. Immediately. Calm. That same idea. As soon as her hand reached that hem, immediately she knew that she had been healed. She could tell that what had plagued her was no more. She, she was fixed. I mean, she was renewed. She was restored. And I imagine that she was thinking, I got to get out of here before somebody sees me. This untimely interruption that she wasn't trying to cause. Verse 45. And Jesus says, he, the, 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 the Aramaic, the Greek doesn't say it this way, but if you, I would just imagine if you were from there, he would probably have been like, hold up, hold up, whoa, 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 hey, wait, wait, wait. Who is it that touched me? Hold, hold, hold on, hold on, everybody, stop, stop. Who just, who just touched me? <laughs> you know, and everybody around him, I just, you know how we do. You know, we're caught red-handed with the cookie. Wife says, did you eat the last cookie? No. <laughs> how dare you? I just imagine everybody that's just like bellied up on Jesus. I mean, just up on him, sweating on him as he stops. And, Who's touching me? I, oh, no, Lord. I, it wasn't me. I was just standing right here trying to give you some space. Everybody's denying it. And Peter, he says what we would all say. You know, he was good at that. He says, Master, the, the crowds are, uh, really? We're surrounded. They're pressing in on you. What do you mean who touched you? They're all touching you. What are you talking about? But Jesus said, no, no. No, someone touched me, for I perceived that power had gone out from me. I see, here's, here's where I just have to tell you, this is one of these times in the Gospels where it just causes me to go, I don't know, because you know what? I, I kind of grew up thinking that Jesus always knew everything. Why? Because he's God. God knows all, okay? And there are times that Jesus knew the heart of man, and I don't know how that worked in the incarnation. I don't know how God intended through the Father's, uh, well, I don't know how the Father and the Spirit gave Jesus the ability to know all things or to, to keep things, I don't know. But, but I think he's asking an honest question. And I don't think he's, I think he could have turned around and go, you, move out of the way, hurt. I think he's honestly said, well, somebody touched me. Healing ability just left me. So somebody just touched me and, and I want to know who, that, who, it, who it was. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden. Now everybody's going, I, I don't know. I don't, who's, who's around here? We, was somebody crippled? Somebody, so was somebody, has anybody seen a blind guy around? And she knew that eventually she's trying to get away from the crowd. She's trying to scurry. And hey, wait, 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 lady, where are you going? Who are you? She realized she was going to be found out. She came, verse 7, trembling. She caught. She's in trouble in her mind. Now, she's restored. She's tickled. I mean, she's excited about that. But, but what she had to do to get restored, you know what? She's about to be chastised, and, and, and okay, Jesus is going to have to explain how, you know, all those folks are unclean, even though I'm clean. But I did. I touched them at the time I was unclean. I, I, oh, boy, am I in trouble now. She came trembling, and look what she did just like Jairus did, falling at his feet. 
Jairus had fallen at his feet. That demon-possessed man had fallen at his feet. You know why? Because he's the God man. He's the one with power and authority. He is God the Son. And when you know that and you've experienced that and you trust that, you act on that. She fell at his feet trembling. Declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Now let that sink in for just a second. She not only told him that she had been healed, she told everybody of what she had been healed of. Now, that's, that's an embarrassing thing to say. I, I can just imagine that, that she's brought attention to herself and what God has done for her. And, and here's the thing. Jesus was not doing this to her. Jesus was not bringing attention to her to ridicule her. Jesus was not drawing attention to add to her embarrassment. You know what Jesus was doing to her? He was fanning that faith. No, 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 no. This faith right here, this started at the house when you started believing the stuff that's been told about me. When you started believing the things that have been said about me and you come looking for me. You come looking for me knowing that you didn't even have to ask my permission. If you could just be in my presence, you knew that I could heal you because you knew I had authority. You knew I had authority over sickness, and you knew that I could heal you. I need to fan this flame, lady. You need to tell some folks what God has done for you. What did he tell the demon-possessed man? I want to go with you, Lord. Let me get on the boat. These people don't like me. I want to go with you. Jesus, I don't want you going with me. I want you to go to your house, and I want you to tell everybody who knows you what God has done for you, and let him be glorified in your life. Boy, was, okay, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. And he went and he told it all around. Jesus was like, no, 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 hold on. Young lady, you come back over here. I, I, the, these folks need to hear about what has just happened to you. And trembling, she declared it in the presence. And you know what I'm imagining that folks started doing around? I'm, I'm imagining that folks were like, Oh, okay, and then the next one joins in, and the next thing you know, they're like, Woo-hoo-hoo! man, this is awesome. But you know who the one wasn't clapping? Jairus. Lord, I, 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 uh, I, hey, I appreciate that. I, hey, good on you. Hey, great. But le- Lord, could, couldn't we have done this on the way back from celebrating at my house? I mean, she's been suffering this for 12 years. I mean, another 30 minutes wasn't going to hurt, right? Could we get this party moving? We've got to go, Lord, before it gets beyond your ability. 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Jairus, she's gone. She's gone, buddy. Your daughter's dead. Don't, just don't trouble the teacher anymore. Urgent request. Jesus was coming. I mean, we were, if we hadn't stopped. I'm like, okay, okay, so she's healed. Great. If he'd have just kept going, we could have been there. All oh, this could have waited. We could have done this later on today. 
She's gone. Verse 50. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him with what I'm going to call an impossible suggestion. Okay, Jesus is going to ask this man to do the impossible. He expected, he knew he could heal him, heal, heal his daughter. He just healed this woman, but now it's over. No need, it's beyond Jesus' ability. Jesus answered him with these words. Jairus, look at me. Do not fear. Only believe. And she will be well. I'm imagining Jairus is, I mean, he's, he saw the man coming. No doubt. He, he saw the look on his face. His heart's breaking. We were, we were almost there. And I'm just imagining that, that Jairus' eyes are just welling up. You know, he's frustrated. Probably a little bit angry. He turns to Jesus and says, no, hold it, look here. You, you with me, Jairus? Don't be afraid. But, Lord, I, only believe. She'll be well. And I wonder how long they stood there looking at one another while he's deciding whether or not to believe this or not. Crowd silent. Okay, let's go. When they came to the house, verse 51, Jesus, he, allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, John, and James. Pastor Kevin, why just those three? I don't know. But that's what he did. Maybe just to keep the crowd. Maybe he wanted the other nine out there keeping the crowd at bay so that they didn't all walk up on this man's porch. Maybe his yard was too small. Maybe I don't know why. Jesus said, Peter, James, John, you come, you come with me. Mom, Dad, Mom, y'all come with me. And all were weeping and mourning for her. Luke tells us that that the folks that, that, that publicly weeped at the time of death were there. Because why? Because she was gone. There's no question about it. This wasn't the time of we're still trying to resuscitate. The little girl is gone. The weepers are there. The mourners are there. It was a part of their culture, part of their custom. They were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Hey, don't, don't weep, for she's not dead, but sleeping. Again, that's a, that's a statement right there that I'm just going to have to tell you. I don't have a clue what Jesus is talking about. Because I hear folks talk about the doctrine of soul sleep. And, and, and they will use this verse right here. Just kind of, they'll just pull it out of this story. And they'll go, see, the soul sleeping and blah, blah, blah. Look, I don't know why Jesus said what he did. But, but I know at least to him, this wasn't a big deal for him. This was, this was as simple for him as waking up this little girl from sleep. And you say, well, could he help me wake up my son when it's time to get up in the morning? So, but some of them aren't as simple. Some of them are. I, I think that's what Jesus is saying. I, I, I don't know. But I know it caught them all off guard saying, we've felt her pulse. 
She stopped breathing several minutes ago. She's gone. And they began to laugh, verse 53. They laughed at him knowing that she was dead. (laughs) I don't know about this guy. Jairus, what what, what are you doing with him? He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's talking about, but whatever. And in the room they went. And Jesus, taking her by the hand, he called saying, Child, arise. This girl's gone. He took her by the hand. He said, Child, arise. It had been, been neat if Jesus could have done that, wouldn't it? If, if he could have walked in that night and said, arise. But ultimately, ultimately, this little girl was going to face that again. Don't, look, celebrate with the fact that mom and dad are seeing something amazing. But, but this was just pointing to who Jesus is. This wasn't a total fix. She was going to face this again. And, and, and you know what is entirely possible? It's entirely possible that this little 12-year-old girl grew up the rest of her life knowing about the one who came in and took her by the hand and said, Child, arise. And she might have become one of them radical Jesus people. Of the first century. She might have been one of the ones that when she heard about him raising from the dead, she might have been saying, I know that's true because he did that to me. I know who he is. He is who he said. And it's quite possible that this young lady grew up to be a very outspoken follower of Jesus. And you know what that would have meant for her in this time? A very difficult home going possibly a persecuted home going so so don't don't relish in who Jesus is but don't look at this and think that this was the they celebrated and it was a glorious day for the woman who got restored and for her because when he said child arise verse 55 and her spirit returned it was gone he called it back and she got up at once immediately hey calm down Immediately, still. Hey, get out of him. Immediately, restored. Whoa, who touched me? And immediately, she was healed. Child, arise. And immediately, everybody in that room knew for a fact that death had no power over Jesus, the God-man. Why? Because he has authority over nature and demons and disease and even death. These pictures are to point to who he is. It's not to give us the notion that that when we've got one 
who Jesus can heal. And he's called us to, to call on his name to heal. But when he chooses not to for his sovereign reasons, we can trust that those who know Jesus are not facing a finality. Why? Not because the little girl got up. Not because the little boy got, or the, the son got up. Not because uh, Lazarus in just a couple years is going to get up. It's not because of that. It's because Jesus got up. He's showing his authority over death. It's going to be a little while before he demonstrates victory over your death and mine. Even when death comes our way. That's a great place for a hallelujah. So Jesus goes in with this impossible suggestion. And he speaks this words, these words of hope. But then <clears throat> he directed that something be given to her to eat. Well, of course. She'd been sick. Now she's not sick. She's hungry. She's restored. She's alive again. And her parents were amazed. You reckon? You reckon they were amazed? I think they probably were. Elated, rejoicing, I can't believe this happened. But he charged them not, or charged them to tell no one what had happened. Well, wait, 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 wait. Why would you not want us to tell? If we tell folks what happened, they're certainly going to believe. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I don't want them to believe in me because of the things I do. I want them to believe the message that I am proclaiming. I want their faith to be in the promises that I am making, in the person I am. I want what I'm doing to validate what they've already believed about my word. I don't want to become a traveling sideshow. The people are just coming out to see what I do, and many did. I know. But once I'm gone, and people start talking about who I am, well, that's when you can say, no, no. No, we've experienced Jesus. We know he's Messiah. How do you know? We'll tell you later. I think after Jesus' resurrection, they couldn't wait to go, and he did it for our daughter too. Don't tell anybody. An urgent request come, an untimely interruption that was glorious, an impossible suggestion. Don't fear, only believe. We got some lessons and principles in this particular passage. I want to just list them out to you. You take these. These are some things that we can walk away from having learned. Number one, Jesus, the God-man, God the Son, has absolute power and authority over all disease and death. Amen? He has power and authority over that. Lesson number two, however, is that the primary purpose of Jesus' miracles was to authenticate his message and to fulfill his identity. And we don't know how many people Jesus healed in his ministry. John tells us that if we tried to write down everything he did, the whole world couldn't contain all the books that would be written about all the things that he did. But these have been written, John says, so that you might hear and believe. But I can tell you this. Even if Jesus healed many, many more than we know about in the gospel records, there were countless many more that he did not heal and continued to suffer 
the consequences that come with being a broken human being in a broken, sinful world. That's why we suffer. That's why sickness and disease happens in our life. Because we are broken humans in a broken world, broken by sin. Adam and Eve at first, then passed on to us, and we pick up the baton from them just as soon as we're capable of doing it on our own because sin has corrupted this world entirely And the curse brings about sickness and death. And so Jesus came not for the ministry of healing. He came for the ministry of restoring the brokenness in us. The healing will come eventually, completely and totally, as God brings his complete program to conclusion. But we've got to remember when we read these things about you, can he heal today, class? Yes. Does he heal today? Yes. All right, listen. Must he heal today? No. Because whatever healing we experience today, you know what it's going to be at best? Temporary. And sometimes to God be the glory, and we point to Him, and we can celebrate, and we can be excited, and I think He wants us to come to Him. And sometimes I think He wants to do that for His glory. But when He doesn't, we have to go. It's not because He don't like me. It's because in His sovereignty, He's got a bigger plan for this. I don't know what it is, and He doesn't owe me an explanation. I'm going to not fear and keep believing. Number three, teaching that Jesus will always heal us physically if we have enough faith is a false doctrine. He told the daughter, and, and I skipped the verse, not intentionally, but accidentally. He looked at the woman and he said, daughter, that's interesting. He didn't say woman, which would have been the normal uh, the way to address her. He said, daughter. Boy, he brought, he brought her right up into the family. He was proud of her. He was excited about her faith. He said, daughter, your faith, verse 48 has made you well, go in peace. Her amount of faith did not bring about the healing. Her amount of faith brought her to him. Her amount of faith caused her to risk it all just to touch him. And when he felt the healing power, it didn't come from her faith. It came out of him. When we teach people that God will heal them if they have enough faith, we are doing them a grave disservice. Because God does what he wants, how he wants, when he wants, because he knows what's going on better than we do. Our amount of faith is not going to bring out healing that God may not plan to do. So we've got to be careful. Can, can God heal? Does God heal? Will God always heal? And no matter how much faith you've got, when God has determined not to heal, that's what he's going to do. Number four, the Christian's hope is in the resurrection. The Christian's hope is not that God's going to restore me and give me uh, uh, healing. Look, we're get, can, can we just all just be honest? We're getting older, okay? We are getting, you kids in the room, <laughs> 
Well, I remember sitting where you were, and folks would old old dudes would say that, and I used to think, yes, you are getting older. And I thought I had it all together. I'm telling you, I can remember being your age. And now here, look at me. I'm almost my wife's age. <laughs> 25 years of marriage. She'll give me that one. I'm getting, I'm, I'm almost Charlie's age. I'm getting there. I'm old. Look, the resurrection is our hope. It's not, it's not about being healed, feeling better, and finding the fountain of youth. It's about knowing that on the third day, they roll that stone back, and what did they discover? He wasn't there. If, if our life falls apart, if our health goes into the toilet, if we experience persecution the likes the world has never seen, we can honestly say, do your worst. Now, many of us will get scared and run and hide, but we can literally say, bring it on. Why? Because I'm not afraid of the one who can kill the body. I'm afraid of the one who can destroy the soul, and he's done redeem mine. And I ain't afraid of him because I call him Abba, and I'm not afraid of what that just rolled down. <laughs> I'm not afraid. Why? Because my hope is in resurrection. That's when all sickness will be removed. That's when death and disease will be no more. Let these scenes point you to who he is and the fact that he is the God-man. Number five, God cares deeply for those that are rejected and ignored. This is important. The outcast, the broken, the useless, God cares about them. One of my friends posted something on Facebook. It said, you'll never look into the eyes of someone that God does not love. But how many folks do we look into their eyes and we go, weirdo, go away. You, no, nobody, nobody wants to be around you. Yeah, they do. Yeah, not, not only does somebody want to be around them, but in, while they were still sinning, Christ died for them. Nobody wanted that woman around but Jesus wanted to celebrate her faith and the fact that she had placed it in him. Keep that in mind when you're around those that are broken, outcast, and useless. You're around folks that God deeply cares for. Number six, the Word of God is sure, no matter how impossible the situation may be, and God's timing is always right. What God says is true. It's going to be. His timing is always right. What do we do? What do we do? Jesus said... Do not fear, only believe in me. Lastly, ladies, I love this. Luke 8 is a beautiful reminder of just how important women are to their creator. You know what, ladies, you, you, get, you, you get the secondary trophy a lot of times. But, but I just want to remind you that in this culture... It would have been ridiculous for women to be brought to the center stage. But this chapter begins with the women who are giving of their means, who Jesus was relying upon to have needs met. And then we get to the end of this chapter with Jesus doing a great thing for a broken woman and raising a little girl who would have been forgotten up until the moment of her marriage. Ladies, listen, there ain't no, there ain't no second place with him. 
Well, you are, you are treasures to him. And guess what? Humanity isn't like he wanted it without you. It ain't a man's world. No, it's an us world together. Some life application, we'll go home. God's timing can be frustrating, but it's always right. So here's what you need to do. You need to walk out of here saying, I'm going to embrace the interruptions he brings into my life. Most of the time we get frustrated with interruptions. We got plans. We tell God about them. We tell God about our plans. We pray over them. We ask him to bless them. And then we walk out going, all right, I got God on my side. My plans are going to happen. And then something interrupts it and we get mad at God. We get upset with him. We wonder why things aren't working out. It could just be that he's putting a pause on your plan for something to celebrate. You might have to find it. You might have to look real hard. But here's what you can do. You can trust that his clock ain't broke. And that those interruptions just might be for his glory in your life. Second application for some of us in the room. Our secret faith like that of the woman, and our, 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 our story about God's work in our life needs to be fanned and it needs to be proclaimed. Some of you are sitting on a gold mine of God's glory that just needs to get out. It gets, needs to be told. And he's like, hey, you, you remember what I did for you? I'm telling you what, them folks will sure be encouraged by what I did in your life if you just talk about it. And you say, but God, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing what you, what you did for me because I walked away from you. I got involved in this and, and they brought me back. Nobody knows about that and everybody's excited a bit. You want me to tell them about all that? Uh-huh. I do. I don't want you to celebrate the wickedness that you fell into, but I want you to celebrate the fact that I brought you out with open arms. So some of us in the room need to get that story prepared to tell. It needs to be fanned. For others in the room, your frustrated faith needs to be strengthened. You're frustrated. You're aggravated with God. Look, listen. Calm down. Ground your faith in who he is and what he has said. God is still God. Even though you're frustrated, do not fear. Only believe. And in every one of us, we need to hear, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Keep coming, keep coming, come on, don't quit. Do not fear, only believe, I am who I am. And, and, and I'm not late. And I love you. And I want you, you keep following me. Trust me. A urgent request. A untimely interruption. An impossible suggestion. But a God who loves and is able. And we've just witnessed it four different ways. So let's just decide we're going to not fear, only believe, keep trusting. Let's stand together. Maybe it is that you are here. You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. That's the first step. That's the first step of trust and obedience. Trusting in who he said he is. He's the Savior. He's the one who is capable of bringing you out of darkness into light, forgiving your sin, 
if you will simply repent and believe. You don't have to clean up to come to Jesus, but you have to be prepared for his cleaning process. You've got to be prepared to lay your life down. Let him rebuild you. He'll do it for his glory. You will never be too broken that he won't rebuild you. And it starts by faith. Christian, let God do his work in you and go out of here obedient. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be seen and known by you. We thank you for the great length to which you went to, uh, to redeem broken humanity. To provide the free gift of salvation that's only by faith in Jesus, crucified and risen in our place and for our sin. God, I thank you for everybody here who's trusted Jesus by faith. I pray you'd encourage them today to keep on going, keep on going, keep on trusting. God, for those that are here, maybe watching online, that have never trusted Jesus, I pray that you would give them the ability to just confess their need, recognize their sin, to lay themselves at your feet in the name of your son who died in their place, who was buried and rose victorious over their sin. May they put all the eggs of of their life into his basket and follow him. Be restored. Be redeemed. Be given a, a new family and a new destiny, a new opportunity for today. And God, if there are those that don't get what that means, I pray that you'll give them the courage to speak to us in person. Shoot us an email. Get on Messenger. Somehow contact us and let us know how we can help them understand that more. God, we ask that you'll use us this week for your glory. We love you. We thank you. For us in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.